Hello and welcome to the And together with me, as always, are Elena Papianis and Nathan Radke. Yep. So today we are doing something completely different. Um, we're not going to talk about a conspiracy. Instead, <laughs> we're going to talk about, about us. That's right. Yeah. Us. It's all about us. It's all about us. I was just talking to Nathan and Elena about why I think that it's actually really important that if anybody wants to know who we are, that they have the opportunity to, because a lot of what we do in this podcast is going and checking sources and are they credible sources? And, you know, just trying to figure out if people are worth listening to or not. Mm-hmm. That's certainly something I try and figure out when I'm listening to my podcasts. Sure. Uh, I mean, at some point you ask the question, who do you think you are? That's right. <laughs> who do you think you are? So let's find out. Why is it that um, we're doing a conspiracy theory podcast. What is it that we're bringing to the table that is actually valuable here? And uh, yeah, who are your hosts? And I think we're going to start with our... Nathan is the source. Yeah, with our patient source. number one. The leader, the guy who brought us all together, Nathan Radke. But oh. not our leader in like a cultish kind of way. No. Just well, a leader. A little bit. A little, a little bit, bit. cultish, a little, a little cultish. Little. in a nice way. I mean, I do wear a robe. But it's just a bathrobe. So, Nathan, what we want to, what I would want to know as a listener, and Elena, you uh, pipe up if you think that I'm missing the point here. But what I would want to know is why should we listen to you, and of of course us as well. Now that's putting it a bit. Oh man, this sounds almost unfriendly. <laughs> almost. Put it like that. Where's the bright interrogation light? Yeah. We that's, where were you on the 17th? Exactly. <laughs> but this really does come down to you. You got Elena and I into this. You brought us on board with this podcast. Yeah. Um, and to which I will say both, you're welcome. And also, I'm sorry. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Nathan, what's your background? Where And where did this all start? So what's what what is it that you're bringing to the table where... Um, people listening to us would want to say, hey, you know, this guy actually knows what he's talking about. I'm going to go way back. Go way back. I'm going to go way, Right at the beginning. Yeah. The dinosaurs. No, not dinosaurs, (laughs) but the Loch Ness Monster. Okay. Okay, so... Obviously. So little Nathan, running around, like six or seven years old, Mm -hmm. trying to find his way in the world, comes across... I'm sure like a collection of Time Life books. I don't know if you guys remember mm-hmm. those. Oh, yeah. yeah. They'd be advertised on the TV and they'd have like different yep. uh, Time Life books on World War II mm-hmm. or... ESP. ESP. And I had one that my parents had gotten me at a library sale, which is where I got a lot of my books. And it was about like paranormal things like the Loch Ness Monster and Sasquatch and etc. And I would just sit up in my room at like seven years old, eating saltines (laughs) and just pouring over these books and trying to figure out, oh man, does the Loch Ness Monster really exist? Mm -hmm. I wanted him to exist really, really badly. Mm -hmm. And then of course I I grew older and started being concerned with other things, your punk rock or your what have you. And it wasn't until I went into university and I had no idea what I was, uh, what I wanted to do. I was never a very good student. I had barely gotten through high school. I very, I paid very little attention to any of my classes. And as I was supposed to pick my classes, there was one that had a very short line, and I took that because <laughs> it was a sunny day and I didn't have sunglasses on. <laughs> uh-huh. So I was like, oh, it doesn't matter. I'll, I'll take this course. 
That course was Philosophy 105, Introduction to Critical Thinking by a professor called Professor Chris Tyndall. Amazing. And that course was an absolute life changer for me mm. in basically all ways. I'd never been good at math. I was always frustrated. I always hated those things. And yet, when I started taking logic and I saw how language could be transformed into equations mm -hmm. and you could test those equations and that you could sort of try to interrogate truths and to try to find out something close to maybe what was actually happening. I found it intoxicating, although it had the sort of opposite effect, ironically, in that it made me feel extremely sober. <laughs> I was intoxicated by the sobriety. Uh, I continued along that path. Uh, eventually, I was hired as a uh, TA for that same logic uh, class eventually. So that is a teaching assistant. Teaching assistant. Uh, then I went off and got some more education, and then I came back to that university, this time as an instructor, and I taught some courses in logic and introduction to philosophy, and then eventually found my way through various, I mean, you guys know what it's like to be a contract academic. You're teaching in mm -hmm. eight different cities and so on. And eventually I settled, I found a full-time position at a college, and that's where I am now. And at that college, and I know this um, personally, you didn't stop your interest, you actually developed courses around conspiracy theories. Well, I was teaching a lot of courses in philosophy, and uh, there was some logic courses and things like that. But I noticed that something that the students wanted to talk about that there wasn't an academic place for was the idea of conspiracy theory. It was a thing that was always dismissed and never taken seriously. Mm -hmm. And I realized, well, some of these are actually true, and most of them aren't. But the thing is, the ones that are true, we need to take seriously because these are genuine things that have happened. And the ones that aren't true, we need to take seriously because people believe mm -hmm. them and they affect the way people see the world. Mm. And yet there didn't seem to be an academic place for the study of it. And so at that point, I designed a course. I had just been hired and gotten tenure. So I designed a course in conspiracy theory and just decided to see, well, let's see how well this will go. And, and here it, we are. It is one of the most popular courses, mm -hmm. I think. Yeah, to the uh, point that... that to the point they, all they, to the point they needed more teachers, so heads... Yeah, uh, so that brings Lee into it. So <laughs> let's let's find out about Lee. Lee, yeah, Lee why what's should we your listen deal? to you? Why should we listen Who to me? Who think you are? Yeah, really, right? Um, I sometimes wonder that, too. I'm, I'm not going to go quite as far back as Nathan, but um, I'll start with my undergraduate education. I did my studies in religion. And I was really interested in religion for a number of different reasons, but it eventually evolved. The core idea or question that got me interested in religion, where, and I should just put this as a caveat, when you study religion, you come across really weird stuff. And the kind of stuff where you think to yourself, wow, do people really believe mm -hmm. this? And yeah, I mean, I'm not going to, I don't need to give you any examples. Just think of some religion that where some claim you've heard of that you don't believe in. Mm -hmm. There's people who believe that. One of the questions that evolved for me out of that is sort of what Nathan was saying. Um, what happens when people have certain beliefs, regardless necessarily of whether they're true or not? Um, so sometimes when people ask me, or, or asked me back when I was really focused on this stuff, I would say, my research question is not whether God exists, but what happens when people believe God exists? It's sort of, it's, to distinguish. Right, because the question of whether God exists, that's sort of outside of our pay grade. That's right. We, and can't, we, don't, we don't know. We have no evidence either way. Well, I, I would class that also as a philosophical question, and I approach this more as a sociologist and more as a historian. So what happens when? Now, 
just like with Nathan, I'm sure, uh, like with Elena, who we're going to hear in just a moment, no, my interest evolved, my education evolved. I did an MA and then I did a PhD. And when I started working at the same college as Nathan, they were looking for teachers of conspiracy theory. And at first, I had exactly the reaction that Nathan predicted having or that people would have, which is that, well, this is a kind of a dumb topic because, you know, it's just not serious. I mean, there's history and then there's conspiracies. But just like Nathan was saying, some are true. And so some actually are history and some aren't. And how do we tell that difference? So, okay, I started teaching the course and I started to see all these parallels between the work that I had been doing as a researcher in the study of sort of sociological questions of religion and politics. And I found exactly those same questions coming up again. Why do people believe this? What's going on? What happens when they do? How do these ideas get transmitted? Um, how do you verify them? That kind of stuff. And uh, I have found the exploration of conspiracies, I mean, just as fascinating, if not more fascinating than my work on religion had been. Yeah, and that's what I bring to this. So I'm sort of like, I guess I come to this as a, my official title is professor of politics because my, most of my work is in the history political history, uh, political sociology, stuff like that, with a question of religion in that, like how does religion work politically? But all of that stuff is, those same questions are in that field of conspiracy theories. And I think it's vitally important to develop the skills to distinguish between what's real and what isn't. And then at some point, Lee took those skills and we combined them with uh, my background in logic and, and reason and things like that. And we started doing this podcast. That's right. And it was okay. I mean, we, we had them. Uh, we got one or two. Some of those two, are pretty good. We got one or two done before we realized something was missing. Something was missing. I mean, it was for one thing, it was or, awkward with just the two people. We spent the entire podcast staring <laughs> right at each other in the eye. That was actually my favorite part. Unblinking. <laughs> making full eye contact the whole time. staring at AI staring contest. Yeah. But uh, we, there was a, still a missing part of this, like a really significant missing part that, that you could sort of tell when you were listening to podcasts. Yeah. And then one day, dun, da, 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 uh, Elena showed up. Here I am, guys. So, Elena, why do we listen to you? Why, after I all? don't know why you listen to me. <laughs> yeah, I don't know why. Deal? So I'm the newest to this, as they've just uh, mentioned to you. But only by two episodes, only, I think. I guess so, but I only just started teaching the course. Okay. So it's like fresh. It's still all fresh for me. I, I guess I, in a way, I have less of a background in the same kind of questions around belief and logic and philosophy than you guys. So I did my BA and MA in a program called Media Information and Technoculture. Huh. Sounds cool, Seems doesn't it? Super applicable. It's, it does sound super applicable. Super cool. And it is applicable. And so maybe that's why I do kind of bring this cultural pop studies element mm -hmm. to this. I'm, you know, I've got the Marilyn Monroe's and the Kurt Cobain stories of the world that, that sort of fascinate me because that's kind of what earlier on I studied in a very kind of interdisciplinary way. And then, well, for my MA, then I started getting interested in history as well. Mm -hmm. So when I did my MA in what I'll call MIT, that program, um, I did sort of kind of like a minor in history. So I started dabbling in history a little bit. But my field ended up becoming war studies, which 
you wouldn't think really applies, but it does because we're basically talking about war all the time. I don't yeah. think there's been an episode <laughs> yeah, yeah. where we haven't discussed at least one war. Yeah. yeah. So then when I did my PhD, it sort of seemed like a natural fit to then do cultural history because what I was doing was kind of that without knowing it. Hmm. So my questions that I've been asking or the kind of analysis I've been doing has been a bit different. Like in my PhD, I did some discourse analysis and Mm -hmm. I looked at basically how, well, I'll get specific for like a second and then I won't bore you with details. Before in my undergrad, I had studied the Vietnam War and how there were like basically the sort of lasting legacy of Vietnam in terms of maybe our uh, idea of the Vietnam veteran, this like damaged Vietnam veteran, mm-hmm. or the idea of Vietnam being a scar sort of on U.S. history. So I was very much American studies focused as okay. well, and which also fits, I guess, with this now. It's all coming together, sure. guys. Yeah, yeah. And uh, and so then when I did my PhD, I looked at the Gulf War and how okay. basically that was seen as kind of a time to renegotiate those things from the Vietnam War and kind of wrap them up in a nice little bow and have a good war have a good war after this terrible scar and legacy of the Vietnam War. And then I've been teaching things like, um, well, other kind of humanities topics and a bit of sociology and history. And now I'm here at Humber teaching history of technology, social history of technology, and learning more every day because of you two. So thank you. Oh, you're welcome. And we're sorry. And you're sorry. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. So I think this is, Okay, I'm I'm tooting our own horn here, but I do think that this is exactly what we bring to this conversation. We have a logician who's booked up on philosophy and logic and how ideas work. We have a historian who is uh, deeply versed in media studies and contemporary American history. And then we have a political historian and um, political sociologist who is interested in how ideas affect the social world. And I think the three of us really are bringing each of our own backgrounds, histories, and and research questions to bear on um, a topic. And I think, Elena, um, I don't know if you've said this, but I really do think that we all like really strengthen mm-hmm. uh, what we bring to this conversation. So if I wasn't part of this, I would listen to you too because of Aww, what oh, you're doing in your sweet. background. And of course, there is another part of this, and that is you. And you can't tell, but I'm pointing at the microphone. You, the and listener. I don't mean the microphone. I mean, yes, you. The, this isn't going well. Are we, <laughs> we going to be like, who do you think you are? Who the hell yeah. do you think you are? <laughs> who do you think you are Listeners? listening to us like that? But uh, yeah, we just really appreciate the fact that you guys are listening and just wanted to stress the fact that we would also like to hear from you. Mm-hmm. Yes. Because, I mean... We are trying to gather so much information, and one of the best ways we do that is by just listening to other people. And so we would love to hear from you guys uh, what you want us to talk about, what you think of some of the things that we've already uh, come up with, some perhaps uh, conspiracy theories that we haven't heard of, of which there are tons. Any questions you might have? Yeah, just questions about uh, whatever. Yeah, we're on Facebook at The Uncover Up. You can find us on Instagram at The Uncover Up. You can find us on Twitter as well at The Uncover Up. Um, and wherever you find us uh, podcast-wise, if you could rate us, review us, listen to us, share us, that'd be awesome too. And you can email us, and we will read them, uh, at podcast, podcast at theuncoverup.com. That's us. Bye.